0: Alright, we are live. This is episode number five of Addicts in Recovery, or AIR, and we have brought Kevin back on to the uh, show with us. Say hi, Kevin.
1: Hello.
2: He was really upset tonight. He said, I really, really, really want to come back on. That's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so... No, it's always nice to have his... uh, He's got a lot of wisdom. He's a little older than us, and... It's got a little experience, so it's nice to have him back. And you're always welcome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to have another person around too to shoot the shit with. (laughs) It's fun. Bounce ideas off of each other. So, Uh, before we start, I've got to make an announcement. Uh, The I started a blog a couple months ago, um, and it's called Addict Abroad. And so basically, it's a it's a blog about traveling in recovery and like going to different places um, and finding sober things to do. And so if you're interested in it, it's a www.addictabroad.home.com. So
1: that's a great idea.
0: Throw that out there. Check it out. That's addictabroad.home.com.
2: Um, I'm turn that out there. Yeah, and you can always check us out on our Instagram page as well. Yep. It is Addicts and Recovery or Air. You'll see it same logo as you see in the iTunes or Spotify or Yeah, we got to change SoundCloud. Yeah, <laughs> now we need to, We'll come up with something a little more creative. We're we're still getting we're we're rolling through for our first month of this. So, um, but yeah, like uh, tonight we want to jump into the word stress. And what stress is, how stress affected us when we were doing drugs and alcohol, and how stress affected us after, and how we deal with it without uh, immediately jumping into the quick reaction of fixing it by using drugs and alcohol. So, I think, uh, you know, I think everyone deals with stress in their own ways, their own levels. If it's with uh, relationships, children, work, uh, college, school, whatever. I mean, it's everyone has it. I think it's a pretty natural thing, but I, I think there's a lot of unhealthy and a lot of healthy ways that people handle it, so that's kind of what we're going to chat about tonight. And Because the addicts, you know, deal with stress so well. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. Gulp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this drug will help me. Instant fix. So, so uh,
0: let's start it out. What is, what is stress? Did you Google that already? Definitely. Kind of.
2: I was kind of going through different things, (laughs) and it it talks about basically, it says stress is the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or response. So the body reacts to these changes with physical, mental, and emotional responses. And it says stress is a normal part of life, and it says you can experience stress from your environment, your body, and your thoughts. Um, So it's It is a normal thing, and obviously I think our body and I think our minds, it's easy just to stay what we're used to, kind of hermit into that mode, and I think when things get thrown at you left and right, I think people don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking.
0: What... Um, it's been, uh, like, so, so relative early recovery, it's been a while, um, for me in early recovery because as, as recovery grows, stressors change, right? So Mike, like how, how were your stressor, what were the stressors? Like what were the big stressors when you got into treatment and left treatment and started the whole early recovery thing?
2: Yeah. I'll I'll start early. So, um, I kind of, have always been kind of a claustrophobic person. You know, I don't like tight spaces. I didn't ride in elevators after I got stuck in one for a couple hours. Uh fire department had to come and rescue us out. And like, for years, I didn't go in an elevator until I was like 16 years old. We went to Mexico on a vacation and went on the 13th floor, and I went up and down those stairs every single day. Wow. It was <laughs> really weird, but, <clears throat> and everyone deals with their own battles, but, I've always kind of hated the tight, confined spaces, and I, uh, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I was on an airplane flying to Oregon to go up to a mountain bike race that I was competing in, and I had like a panic attack. Like I thought, if this plane crashes right now, I will never meet my son, and it was just the weirdest feeling of like I and. And a lot of this started to kind of build bigger and bigger because at that time I was drinking more and more and not having the alcohol in my system um, created me to kind of become more claustrophobic, more hermit. I didn't like leaving my house. I liked kind of being in a comfortable setting where I could like do my thing. And I remember the lady tapping me next to me on the airplane. She, she even asked me, she's like, are you okay? And I was just like, what do you, What it like, is like, is it that recognizable that I'm like, doing that bad and um, I just remember like being afraid of airplanes And I thought this is gonna be a sad life I can't fly in planes anymore I just it felt just like like stripped away from me and my stress level of that like I would think about it and every time I travel away far from home I would just always think of the worst thing and it just it, it paralyzed me like that's like the one word I could describe it it paralyzed me And I hated it. I didn't like it because I was always an adventurous person. Like, I lived in the Caribbean for years and and, um, doing service stuff. And, like, I never had any issue. I was traveling on airplanes every two weeks. And never in a million years I would think that, like, that's a problem, that I could be afraid of an airplane. And alcohol really was the contributing factor on that. And I was wanting so bad to get rid of that, and and I didn't know how. And it was really hard. And I remember like clenching my clenching my arm, my wife's arm, like flying to San Diego for a work trip. And I was just like, if I don't move, my heart can't stop. You know, like <laughs> it just just hold still and just chill. You know, and nobody really knew. I wasn't. I was very closed about it. I didn't really talk to my wife about it. And and uh, you know, it was terrible. I didn't like that. And um, so I, I wanted it to stop. I wanted it to end. To get rid of it. And, you know, it's starting to come out of the sobriety. It peaked even higher, you know, when I wanted to quit because I just didn't know how to quit. Mm. And my stress levels started to kind of spike. And then eventually they, they started to kind of calm down when I started getting the alcohol out of my system and getting into uh, um, detox and going to treatment. And after about midway, halfway, 15 days into 30-day treatment, I was I started to kind of go away a little bit. So, I don't know. That's kind of like my pre you know, rehab stuff with stress and anxiety issues with it. and
0: I find it fascinating that, and I, I know that I am not the only one, so I'm going to use the general version of we, uh, or addicts, I guess, in general, find that when they're experiencing this stress and this anxiety, uh, their immediate reaction is, especially drinkers, is to, you know, drink, right? right? And then... That just like compounds on it though. Uh, the alcohol makes it so much worse, especially, I mean, it may not be in the moment, but like the next morning, dude, oh, my it's... emotions were so dysregulated. I mean, through the roof, just, I, I would get so much anxiety and so much, um, and have all this built up tension and, and I wouldn't ever attribute it to the drinking. I would right. always attribute it to, oh, you know, that's life, life. <laughs> that's life exactly but a chemical reaction in my brain was happening and it was causing yeah it was exa- it was causing even more stress to add on to
1: that's that's how it was explained to me too I, I've always had the I, I was caught up in that problem that dilemma of anxiety attacks mm-hmm. also <clears throat> and stress and um, I didn't know that that was the cause well maybe it wasn't the cause but it certainly. Uh, made it worse is I would wake up in the mornings and immediately go into anxiety and then I would drink to get out of it and it felt great and comfortable and and then just repeated that over and over and over again. I was just locked into that entire um, scenario. I didn't have any education as far as, you know, if if somebody would have told me that the, like the, the solution. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember, <laughs> you know, why didn't somebody tell me this like years and years and years ago? And they probably had a hundred thousand times and I just shot them out. Yeah. But um, I was locked into that same exact scenario you were. But I think like
2: it's, it's hard though. Cause like you, you can't really one, you, it's hard to admit it, you know, that you're like, okay, this is really, this is the problem. Cause I, re- I remember so many times that if I didn't get like blackout drunk at night, then I was like, okay, I would, I would, it would wake me up at like three in the morning and I would have like, my heart rate would just be fluttered and just felt like shit, you know? And I was just like, this is insane. But like the times I really go like all in and go blackout, I would sleep through the whole night, but then you'd wake up in the morning, like what you're saying, you're just like, uh, what in the world's wrong with me? You know, (laughs) I hate this. Right. So, and I, I think it's hard what. you know, people don't like change. And I think when you are comfortable and in even on, in an unhealthy, uncontrollable state that you're in, you're still feeling like you have, like, that's just what you do every day. And people get stuck and sucked into that same pattern. And I feel like it's really hard to, you know, to kind of snap out of that. I think people just get, at least I was. I mean, I would just felt like that's just what I do. You know, it was never ending. Absolutely.
0: I, uh, I didn't realize exactly, like, how much, how, especially using, I didn't realize how much of the stress I put on myself, like, I would, I would always be going, and I mean, granted, like, meth addict, like, (laughs) I was always moving, and I was always stressed, and Mm -hmm. I was always, but it was always, um, any time that, like, I would go on these, because I would, I would have these kind of these benders, and anytime I'd go on one of these benders, I just knew um, immediately that something was going to happen. Like something bad was going to happen, something catastrophic was going to happen, or whatever else it may be, and I was going to have to deal with all this stress. And it really came down to, it was the drug that was causing all of that stress. Life was just happening the way that it was happening, but I would, I would create this, this stress in my, like, in my head and in my mind and it would just become this like catastrophic thing. Um, and it took, dude, it took a lot of therapy and a lot of like time and recovery to realize that I got 99 problems and I am
2: every fucking one of them. (laughs) But, but I, I feel like people have like this false assumption that if they get rid of something like they like accomplish like say for example, school, they're done, you know, Stress is, like, complete. Like, stress lowers down, and you're like, okay, no more any. I don't have it anymore. It's gone. But, like, that's just part of life. You know, you, if you get in a relationship with somebody, there is stress. You have children, there is stress. You buy a house, there is stress. You buy a car, you have a paycheck. You know, there's always – you're never just, like, content. You know, it. there's always something, and, and it's really hard for at least me to kind of, like – I'm sure everyone can – plus I'm speaking we we can agree on hopefully at this but um is when that happens to you what do you do mm-hmm. you know when things get thrown at you what do you do and how do you handle it and that's really have been a, a hard thing for me cuz I would I would always just jump in and and be like okay solve it quick and usually that contributed to alcohol or me <laughs> pretending like there was not a problem and I would just be closed-minded to myself and not speak and con- communicate with my wife or my friends or my, you know, co-workers or whatever. And I feel like, I don't know, I just, I didn't like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know how to say that, but like, it or say this, but it just, if I was kind of lying to myself of like jumping into a hoop of saying, okay, you're okay, but you're really not. Yeah. You know, and just being like, okay, now when something gets thrown at me, it's, it's a big change. I can actually say to myself, Hey, Michael, this is normal. Mm -hmm. You have a situation. How are you going to handle it? And, and, and there's not a right or wrong way. Most of the time of how you're doing it. It's just like what you do, just follow through with it and you're going to be fine.
0: I think the, uh, the number one thing... I mean, there's so many ways of coping with stress and there's so many ways of dealing with, um, with things that aren't going right healthily. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also so many ways of dealing with it in an unhealthy manner. And I think the top... And I, I, I like to focus on the stuff that like you shouldn't do because that kind of emphasizes uh, kind of what you should do. And the number one thing that a person shouldn't do, at least the, I'll, I'll, I'll start talking in in personal experience. The number one thing I can't do to solve anything stressful is to get loaded. Yeah. Like, that always compounds on the issue. That always makes things worse. I always... I mean, the first thing I put in front, in front of my recovery is the second thing I'm going to lose. And if I put anything... like any type of substance in front of these problems that I have to try and ease them or to try and take the edge off, then not only am I going to lose in whatever it is, you know, I'm stressed about, then I'm going to lose my relationships and then I'm going to lose this and that and this and and whatever else. And it may not be, you know, immediate, but it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. And so I think the number one thing to start off with, especially dealing with stress is recognize that it's for one, if a person is really stressed out, they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so they're easy to, and I was actually just experiencing this the other day. I was like super stressed about something and a thought crossed my mind. It's been almost five years like that I've gotten high and the thought crossed my mind, man, it would be nice to get high right now. Like, Cause I'm vulnerable when I'm stressed. And so one of the things that I have to constantly remember is even if I am in a state of stress, I cannot use Cannot do it um, because even especially when emotions get involved, it almost somehow you can convince yourself. And I mean, it's not even somehow addicts can convince themselves to get high just about anything. Oh, the sun came up this morning, it looks <laughs> like I need to get high, or you know, wow, it's a
2: beautiful sunset, it's a beautiful night. Let's drink a beer, or you know what I mean. Um, so, let me ask you a quick question to jump back in what you're saying. So, when that happened to you, to you that you felt like, oh, I, you know, want to go get loaded. What did like, how do you, you personally walk yourself through that?
0: Um, I immediately, so I've been practicing this for a while now. Uh, When I get the thought of of drinking, especially under a stressful situation, sometimes I actually laugh at it because I'm like, yeah, that's (laughs) going (laughs) to help. So humor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll look at it, uh, but a lot of, especially early on, I had to play that tape through. Hey, okay, so I want to, you know, I want to get messed up. Why do I want to get messed up? Well, because I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's uncomfortable. Okay, well, is that going to solve this situation? Probably not. And honest to God, if I try and approach the situation drunk, it's not going to end up the way that I want it to end up anyway. So it's just a double negative. There's no, there's no uh, win, Right. And so I, w- I had to play those tapes through constantly, um, constantly. And now after doing it for so long, it's almost like a blip. So I'll get that thought, I want to get high, or, you know, I-, I really love... This thing that has been going through my head lately is craft beer. Uh-huh. Like, I used to love craft beer. And so I see somebody drinking a craft beer, and then immediately it goes through my head like, man, I just... Life would be so good with this craft beer. I'm like, yeah, life would be good as a raging drunk. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what happens. I'm an addict. I've been an addict since, like, childbirth. Um, there's no changing that. and What there is changing is my decisions on whether to act on it or not. Yeah. And so I guess it's just recognizing recognizing that the thought is there and then playing it through and then realizing where it's actually going to take me. I think that's kind of the, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think like, I agree with you totally. And I think everyone has to get to their own level of understanding of, of themselves. I think people struggle, I struggle with, uh, you know, of being honest with myself of that. Like for example, I just got back from a big family vacation. We were in a car for a long time. My sister was in from New York. They have their first child. And I was kind of teasing them because it is their first child. And I have three now. So watching people on their first baby is kind of like comical to me now because everything is a big deal. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it really is a big deal. You know, it's, it's a huge life change for those people that have their first child. And, but it's like funny to watch them where they're in the car and like, okay, we got to go. The baby's asleep. Let's roll. And I'm just like, I kind of look back at my sister. and I'm like, so we still, you know, if the baby cries, it's okay. You know, we don't need to, like, book it down the freeway, Mach 10, just to get to where we're going. Because once we get where we're going, you're still going to have stress when we get where we are, like, at the finish line of the day. It never changes. It just – you just have to kind of, like, cope and adapt with it. And it's, like, that's a very hard lesson that I've learned. Because I would just be like, oh, yeah, well, I can't wait for that beer at the end of the day. And it just gets <laughs> – not, not a beer. I'm lying right Beers, <laughs> it's the first thing i picked up on who has a beer yeah i know. <clears throat> I don't know what do you what about you kevin yeah what's up kevin
1: <clears throat> well first i just want to say that i've never heard of craft beer and i drank <laughs> a lot of beer <laughs> um, but the second thing i wanted to say is what about crap beer I yeah, I've had crap beer. I, I'm familiar with the crap beer. Okay. But we're from Utah, man. You got
0: to got to be familiar with it.
1: The second thing I wanted to say is uh in early recovery, I absolutely hated that saying of play the tape all the way through because it sounds really condescending. And I think a lot of um a lot of times uh well, for me in in my story, um a lot of those one liners that they say in meetings all the time uh i get i get I got tired of hearing them because I didn't know what they meant mm. and it sounds like um adults talking to a child, and I couldn't accept the fact that I was a child in early recovery, <laughs> and I really was I was so completely emotionally underdeveloped because I'd been drunk most of my entire life, so um I think it's safe to say, and um, maybe hard for some people to accept um, when they have uh, as long as a a drinking history as I have, that they, they have to accept the fact that they were, at some point, emotionally arrested, and you don't develop those kind of emotions or the skills to handle stress the way a, a non-addict gets, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's like for a non-addict. I'm not an, you know, a, a non-addict. <laughs> so <laughs> I, mean, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I, I just, you know, cause stress is stress, but I, 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 I want to, um, to be able to, per, to to put it out to a newer person in recovery that may be listening that, <clears throat> One, one of the things that I think helped me uh, in early recovery is to trust someone else um, when they said that even though I wasn't drinking and it, it had been like 10 days, which I thought, you know, I was an old timer <laughs> I, at 10 days. You know, I'm like, I haven't drank for 10 days. <laughs> I'm sober, you know, and um, it, it, it takes uh, quite a while for your brain chemistry to. You know, level out, and uh, but I I needed to be able to trust somebody, find somebody that I trusted when they told me that I was viewing the world wrong, that things were slightly askew, because the way I interpreted uh, problems or situations that caused me stress is, um, I thought they were a part of me. That the stress and my problems were so in my head, I thought that they were like literally a part of who I was and when they said things like you know when you stop drinking after some time that stress literally takes care of itself Mm -hmm. and and I found that to be true Um, I just found somebody I trusted that I listened to and I literally stayed sober because they said it was a good idea that this would you know that this would actually my the stress would take care of itself. I didn't know what that meant. <clears throat> um but after after a certain point, and I wish I could say, you know, it was 32 days, you know, or right, something like right. that. Because that's what a person in recovery wants to hear. They they want to hear, you know, when am I when am I gonna when are things going to get better? You know, I can't say, you know, in six point seven hours you're gonna feel, you know It's different for everybody, but what I did find is that the the problems and situations that were causing me stress, I was able to, uh, instead of being on me and surrounding me, because uh, I realized that I was so involved in useless problems and situations that were surrounding me, they were hard to focus on. They were scattered. I couldn't get a straight line of thought. Um, but what I found is that I could literally like move them off of me, almost like I would be able to pick up the thought and I'm using my hands. You can't see that, but pick up the thought (laughs) and put it in front of me and I could view it as something that I could fix. This is, uh, say like bills that need to be paid. Um, or, uh, I remember thinking when I, when I first started this, this program that, what I really needed to cure me was a loan, <laughs> you know. Right. Like, how about like a hundred grand? Like, right. everything would be fine. But like, I, I was literally um, able to to the 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 those problems were were I if I can hold them away from me, I could look at them as something almost mechanical that I could fix. I could mm-hmm. I could identify. Oh, this is what's wrong. I can take this wire and connect it over here, and I could view them a little bit better in that way. But it wasn't until I I decided that I just needed to trust somebody that maybe my mind and had has was so alcohol soaked that I needed to uh, trust somebody that I was looking at the world askew, and um, that stress became more manageable, and uh, and yeah. So I does that make
2: sense? No, it does. It, okay. Yeah, I think that's great. I. And it, the main thing is it worked for you. It did. You know, and, and I think like what I said earlier, everyone kind of has their own path. And, you know, one thing I that helped me was a new style of communication, of how I talk to people, especially my spouse, my wife, I would be like, so closed door, you know, because I thought she was, of course, it was her problem of my alcoholism and and, I'd, you know, I'd be hiding everything around the house. And I was just, like, felt like a, you know, that I was obviously being uh, very mischievous. <laughs> and uh, it changed when I got out of rehab and also during rehab when she'd come up and visit me that I, my therapist told me to just be with her and focus with us and, like, what we are dealing with. You know, slow thoughts, Not just, like, next year or a month or whatever, but it's, like, literally taking it just a step at a time and talking those things out of the normal day-to-day stuff. How are you doing? What are you up to? What can I help you with? How are you really feeling, you know? And that really made a huge change and a huge impact in our relationship that we were able to be, like, raw and honest with each other. Like, even last night, like, I was just not feeling all that great. I was just like stressed out with work and, and my wife, she brought in a game and we just started playing uh banana grams, you know, we play the little dice on the play words <laughs> with each other. And I didn't really want to play that, but like we started playing it. And after like, I was just, I just kind of talked to her. I was like, Hey, thanks. Like, this is, this is fresh to be able to like turn off the mind. And then she just asked me simple questions. Like, how are you doing? I can tell you're stressed and, and just like walking through that of saying, just, hear me out. I'm here's work. This is what's happening. And I'm like, it's nothing that she really cares about. I mean, she does cause it's me, but it's not stuff. She's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to remember this. This is cool shit. It's just, you know, whatever. So I, I like that part of it where we're actually like turning off all of like the movies and the social media and just whatever. And we, we give kind of a block now, try to at least and, and kind of just chat and, that alone, like I just like walked away. I was like, "Yeah, let's let's go to bed." You know, I feel like way better, and and it really helped my day today. I woke up this morning. I got so much shit down in my office, and and it really can like be a big change if you start to learn to adapt that and like. And I, the biggest thing that after you talked a couple weeks ago, and we talked about, uh, you you brought up the word curious, mm-hmm. and that has been really like a huge impact on me. It's like. I love being curious of something like, you know, trying something new and being vulnerable myself and, 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 people I'm dealing with. And it's like, it's made my stress. So thank you, by the way, that was, it's been <laughs> really, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That's just my thought. So
1: I just, if, if I can tell like a, a little story, basically I had this, uh, I was in, terrible financial uh stress um i had been drinking uh non-stop for i don't know 35 years maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm 33 it's incredible <laughs> i'm alive but like um <clears throat> and i mean that actually but <clears throat> i was in uh dire straits financially i'm still not good at it but i'm much better um, but the I remember I, I used to throw my bills on the table cause I, I, I was one of those people that developed uh, little isms over my drinking career I um, super rational <laughs> stuff but one of them was uh, when I knew I was behind on a bill my solution to it would be to throw it on the table and not look at it I couldn't I couldn't even open them up and um, or if I was late, um, in paperwork or something at my work that would stress me out and so I would avoid it instead of taking care of it and catch up on it Yeah. and um, I had a sponsor I went the AA way like I, like I said before that's part of my story but he would tell me uh, oh those are paper tigers and I'm, what, what is a paper tiger and what it was basically is if you let something build like that it becomes looming and crouching and scary. And uh, it, the longer you wait to pick it up and take care of it, it becomes a tiger. And uh, it, you'll constantly live in fear. And so he would call him a paper tiger because when you opened it up, it turned into paper. <laughs> and you just took care of it. And I know that sounds really funny, <laughs> but it turns out it's the truth. Um, you can call these people, um, and lo and behold, you can make payments on things, you know, <laughs> and sometimes they're just happy that you called. Yeah. They're like, Oh, well, that's, they're like, Oh, Hey, you know? And, um, uh, so, and, and not only in bills and, and that's the, the, the whole moral of that story isn't just about paper tigers, the real paper ones, but things like, uh, social stress, like you've gotten an argument with a friend or anything to that. Um, uh, that extent. Nowadays, I, I try to avoid stress and it's, there's no way that everybody is going to avoid stressful things. We have life and part of sobriety is learning to live with life on life's terms. But for me, if, if I'm in an uncomfortable situation or I've offended someone, um, I don't let it build into stress. If I can help it, I attack it immediately because it, it's, it's a paper tiger if I, if I don't take care of it. Um, there was something that I actually read just the other day, uh, and it was saying that most social um, awkwardnesses in life, when you've offended somebody or, um, say, a friend of yours at work, their spouse died or something. And um, I'm stealing this from a book I was reading, actually. Um, what was so the book? It was uh, Brene Brown's... Um, what's that one dare to lead dare to lead she uses this in her book and and i and i thought it was amazing that say a, a, a friend of your spouse died and you thought well i really should call them and say hey, hey i'm sorry or send a card or something and then you're like you make all these little excuses and you can apply this in any scenario in your life um you make all these little excuses like um you know they're they're probably swamped with right. family right now. They're you dealing know,
2: with like the they, eulogy. They and, like, probably got three
1: bowls of jello today. Right. I'm gonna take over you know a plate of food, um, <clears throat> or and then the next day you're like kind of feel like well now I shouldn't call because I didn't call. You know what I mean. Right. And then you see them in a grocery store and you walk down the other aisle. Or something because you didn't call, and this, and we play out these little tiny scenarios in our life that cause us stress, and it builds and builds and builds. The point of the story is they didn't. Ex- they did a study, um, which said that the awkwardness, if you address that paper tiger, um, even after a year, say there's there's never it's never too late to make an amends. Um, the, the awkwardness of that situation when you actually approach it lasts six seconds until things are better. Huh. So if, if you can walk up to somebody and that whole nerve-wracking stress that you've built up for years or maybe just a couple of weeks because you don't want to approach this problem or that person, um, all that stress you've been carrying around unnecessarily when you attack it it literally yeah. takes six seconds to break through that wall of stress wow. until things are better.
2: I believe it, though. I mean, because, it like, it feels relieving. Like, when sure. you have a situation like that or, like, you have you built up something in your head and all of a sudden, like, it, it, it pans out and it's, like, nothing what you thought it was going to be and you're like, okay, well, that was definitely a lot of waste of time, you know? <laughs>
0: right.
2: I'm really good at
0: that. I am <laughs> really good at creating these these situations that aren't situations. Uh, no, I, I really like that that paper tiger um, thing.
1: That's it's, the new irritating recovery saying now. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure.
0: Like, play the tape all the way through. Play the tape all the <laughs> way through. Don't make a paper tiger. <laughs> uh, I think one of... That is, that is actually something that I do on a regular basis uh, is... The, well, I guess that I have to challenge myself on, on doing is creating these stressful things that aren't initially supposed to be that stressful. I think the, the hardest thing that I have is like tough conversations. I, I, I man, I hate hurting another person and I hate that con, that the idea of that. And so it's really hard for me to have a tough conversation, especially like with like a significant other, like my girlfriend right now, I have, man, I have a hard time with the top conversation thing. Um, and so what I do is I'll just let it like, I'll just let Caster. it build. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so bad. And I let it build and I let it build. And then, um, and I don't, I don't realize that I'm doing it, but what happens is when I don't appropriately deal with it, uh, it creates the stressor in, in everything else. And it's like what you said, when you don't have that level of communication, um it just it can it can build and then and then it comes out sideways. Like it comes out in different areas. Like we'll get into a disagreement about something different, and then the the kind of stress and I guess almost resentment, I guess that I built up, uh that energy comes into it when it had nothing to do with that in the first place. And I, and so I have to remember that like creating these paper tigers or making mountains out of molehills, um, this is another wonderful AA saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to remember that it may be uncomfortable and it may be hard to face, but it's so much easier to face right off the bat than it is to create this, or it, than it is to drag it on. Because nine out of ten times, like it snowballs, and it snowballs fast and then once once that snowball is turns into an avalanche, you think, All right, this is just gonna, you know, end all of existence. And then you walk away. At least I do. I, I, I think, Okay, this is like this is it, this is the deal breaker, like this is gonna be some big blowout, la da, da 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 and then I say it and she goes, Okay
2: and you're, like, <laughs> and I'm like, you're like, why didn't I do this earlier? Yeah, like there's, exactly. There's, there's
0: why like, didn't I say this right right when it happened to avoid the the six seconds of discomfort?
2: Right. Well, yeah. In addition to that, too, kind of following line at that, but I think there is a difference between like being a jerk and like trying to and just being honest. Oh, like how right. You gotta have you tact know? with what you say. Yeah, because like, there's there's been many situations where I just like. In, ready to go and like ah you know freak out and, and then like like you said it pans out of being like a very healthy thing and if it's with my wife or with like with my boss who's also my dad you know in a family business and how we perceive things and do things and and uh, my older brother that works with me too it's like it's it's very different when you actually have like a level playing field of communication and and it takes kind of eliminates all that other stuff around you you know, you hone on that, you're like, okay, well, that's, it's not as bad as I thought. You know, I don't know. No, absolutely. I think that we make... I, I think
0: that just humans in general uh, make problems much bigger than they need to be. Right. And and I think that that initial avoidance of the discomfort is really... And I mean, especially addicts in recovery. Like, if you think about it, addicts are born to avoid discomfort. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so even in early recovery, man, it's got to, like... It just happens. It happens, and it's almost an instinctual reaction to avoid that. And so it's like in that book, Brene, the Brene Brown Dare to Lead book, she says, lean into it. Like, right, she it, does. It may be, It may be uncomfortable, and it may be the thing that you don't want to do, but with stress and with things like that, lean into it. Handle it. Take care of it. Make it, like make it a point to get it done so that it doesn't turn into this boogeyman that sits right. on your shoulder.
2: Well, it's different too, because I think at that point, cause like there has been times where I did avoid it and I was, uh, I liked the, uh, the analogy of like tiptoeing around eggshells around my house mm. and like, okay, I got, I can't, I had to like kind of massage this question of something. And my biggest change now that I have done with my wife is like, if I have a thought of something like, you know, I really want to go on a mountain bike ride. And there's been times in the past where she was maybe confused of my intent of what I was really gonna go do. You know, if I was really gonna go on a mountain bike ride or like whatever, or if I had something behind that and like, or why would you want to go do that? And, uh, and for me now it's different where if I'm feeling it, I say it, you know, I feel like I need to go do this and not making it like a selfish thing. Cause I think there's a big difference too. Cause you could be completely selfish and kind of an ass about stuff and be like, this is, yeah, I'm a man, you know, this is my, I, you know, pay the bills and all that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I do what I want to do. And I, I feel like, uh, there's a kind of a, kind of a fine line with it of kind of that self need. And that's what my therapist taught me when I was at uh, Brighton to kind of remember that of like, when you're feeling something, it is a real feeling and you know go do it and if it's in the right setting right timing you know so like it's been a really healthy thing because my wife at times is like you know I really like to hang out with you tonight and she's telling me what she needs then I'm also telling her what I need too saying like yeah that's great let's kind of like plan it out a little better like our scheduling has been better of like things that she wants things that I want to do and it kind of eliminates the kind of the elephant in the room versus of just like coming home and having like just mad, like I wish I had more time to go do something, and I'm just like stuck, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I got a question for you, though, Zach. So you're in a school right now. How do you deal with school stress?
0: Uh, school stress. When I first, all right. So this is this is how I I, I initially approached school, and I <laughs> it was like the hardest way possible. I'm not even kidding. So. My first six months of school were not at a registered university. It was at a tech college, and the reason I was at this tech college is because it had a self-paced math learning program, and I hadn't taken math in like seven years, and so I knew that like the biggest thing beyond wondering if I had the capability of learning uh, was this this whole idea of I have to take and, and pay for. All these math classes, right, to get to just a general level. So, say for instance, I don't know the order that they go in, but it's like 880 and then 990 and then 1010, and Mm -hmm. then like 1050 is supposed to be the one that actually counts. So, that's one, two, three semesters of math at a thousand dollars a piece or whatever (laughs) it may be. So, there's a lot of money and a lot of time. So, I spent the first six months. Uh, just doing math. And I taught myself algebra. <laughs> and I, not even kidding. I taught myself algebra and I taught myself like, pre-calculus just so that I could get into a decent math class. And that, just approaching that one subject gave me a ton of confidence. I was so scared that I was just going to fail out and that I wasn't going to be able to handle it and that I wasn't going to be able to do what a normal quote-unquote college student does. And what happened was I I got that that math thing out of the way and I tested into the class that I wanted to test into. And man, my confidence just like exploded. But then I got into so then I finally went into this this university and to put it lightly, I was absolutely terrified whether or not I was gonna <laughs> survive. Uh, I had some pretty easy classes, but one of the things that I did is I carried this notebook around and in each class I would write down, this is like the to-do list that I had to do. And, and, and more than anything, it wasn't necessarily to remember, it was to ease my anxiety about did I get that done? Did I not get that done? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, would, I would have a little pocket notebook and a pen and I would check shit off. Um, but it was always one thing at a time. Right, I could look at I could look at my six classes or whatever maybe I think it, at that time it was four classes. I could look at my four classes as a whole and and look at this sixteen week schedule, and that's that's what I would have done before I got into recovery. Is I would have looked at it as just a huge behemoth of a thing mm-hmm. that I have to do and. What I would do is just every day I would just take it. Man, this sounds like now that you talk about like one (laughs) day at a time. One day at a time. We're all just cliches. (laughs) You can't eat an elephant in one bite, right? Uh, (laughs) That is exact. But I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I I did one assignment at a time, one project at a time, one, and I would set these goals for myself to to get it done, and that was just top priority. And what happened is I did have, like, some stress levels, but I would knock my assignments out, uh, especially if I had free time. I would knock them out, like, a week in advance. And so when finals came around and when, like, midterms came around and all the other students are freaking out and, like, ripping their hair out and studying, I like shouldn't crazy. have procrastinated. I shouldn't have procrastinated. Yeah, I'm out there rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so a lot of it, especially with school, school was a lot of, of one – one bite at a time and to not be scared of it. That's the thing that like school with me, the stress is one thing, the fear of it is yeah. another. I, I never thought I could even learn like my ABCs and I already knew those.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'd like, I I I have a hard time remembering school, but yeah, I can relate on, uh, so my father, he is a workaholic and, mm, I know how that and, goes. and never, I uh, always struggled with like, Shutting it off, you know, and having the concept of saying, "I need to stop here," because guess what? Shocker, there's always something to do tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's. It, I and I, my, I don't know if he's just like really loves it or his hobby or whatever. But I've, I've caught myself of like doing that. I'm kind of going down his. Obviously, his genetic. He's my dad, and there's a lot of uh, stuff that I am very similar with him and. I've, I've like learned to kind of just like take the stress of like, Oh my gosh, there's so much to get done and I'm behind or whatever. But at the end of the day, when like the kind of the end of the time of the day comes, I don't, I mean, I could sit there until midnight to three or four in the morning or whatever, but kind of taking more of a healthier line or healthier approach of it. I've kind of taught myself of like, okay, where do you need to stop today? Mm. And how are you going to do that? And it's it it was that's really a hard. Skill in and of itself. Yeah, it was. It's and I still struggle with it because yeah. there's still times where like, <clears throat> in the construction industry when you're building stuff, it's obvious there's timelines and timeframes and trying to get kids in the school and then you're 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 doing stuff like that. So there's a lot of high anxiety, a lot of stress. But being able to be okay with like, okay, this is my cutoff because tomorrow I can just wake up and and uh, and do it. And then another healthier approach that's helped me with my stress of, of not taking my work home. Mm. And I envy people. Like, for example, I was talking with my brother-in-law when I was on this family vacation. He's a nurse in New York City. And I'm just like, dude, I I love the fact that, like, you go to work and you go home from work and you don't give a shit about work. (laughs) Because you can't do anything at home when you're a nurse. You're just like, okay, I did my shift, and you leave and you go home. And I was like, that's pretty rad. I don't, I'm not like that but I'm like trying to take some of that in that he has and be able to like adapt that to me be like okay I'm gonna go home and if something is really bothering me my wife's asking about her she's asking me about a project whatever I like will fill it in but it's it's nice to be able to kind of like turn it and shut it and leave it the office and then come home and be like work dad or dad dad not work dad you know and and that's one thing I've always envied with my dad and I, I have high hopes I can do that because Uh, kind of funny story my dad and I one time we got an argument not one time there's always arguments (laughs) but I mean we're a huge uh, Utah jazz fan fans and I was building a house and we were living in this basement as I was building the home and we got this argument at the office and and I was just like dude this like can't believe this My work this whatever and as I was driving home, I realized I was going home to his house. <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, shit, I got to go see him again. <laughs> and, like, I pulled into the house, and his car was already in there, and he was just like, hey, Michael, do you want to watch the jazz? I'm just like, screw you, you know? march, <laughs> march downstairs. Because he's always been really good at that, that, like, you know, when he does actually get home, even growing up, it's, it, it was pretty shut off. You know, he's, like, he's dad at that point. And it kind of gives me hope that I can do that, not just, like, have... Because I think people get stuck in that. They can really apply all of their work and just make it them, and it just circulates them. And everything revolves around them in that situation. I feel like it's a very unhealthy approach, so... I think I completely agree. I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought that up
0: because that's one aspect of my life that I had to teach myself how to do. And that was categorize, I guess, and kind of compartmentalize the areas of my life that needed to be compartmentalized. Um, recover so there's 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 one thing that I can carry to every aspect of my life and that's recovery. Right? I can I can apply it at school, I can apply it at work, I can apply it at anything, relationships, whatever it may be, anything recovery related I can do that. However, if I am at school and I have this say, math exam coming up. Um, I can't, if I want to be functioning, I can't take that to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I take it to work, especially because I work in a treatment center, I work with people, they'll see that there's something on my mind. And I'll be like, oh yeah, there's this math exam that's stuck on my mind. Or um, I'll end up, when I, when I have downtime at work, I have a really big tendency of taking, so say, this math exam, and then I'll study during that downtime. So even though, so I'm studying at school, and then I'm studying at my downtime at work, in between working, and I don't give myself enough of a break, like breathe time to um, function, you know, or to to just zen, center myself, and that stress just carries. And before I know it, it's the end of the day, and I'm still thinking about this stupid math exam, And because I can't, I I I shut it off. I can't shut it off, and and that was something that I had to teach myself. And and another thing too was I. It's okay to not like worry about shit. Mm -hmm. It is okay. I had the hardest time with with not letting things go, Mm -hmm. like um, because I thought, well, if I forget this, then it's going to happen again. Or if I forget this, then you know this, 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 and this. But in reality, I'm caught up to the best of my ability, whatever it may be,
2: and there's always something else to you. There's so always something else. So to you. on kind of a low end to high end of you kind of gaining this ability that you're doing, like how long would you say realistically, like did it take you to feel like you had more control of yourself in the situation like that like you're saying? That makes sense.
0: Yeah, I would um I mean I'm still working on it. Like I still have moments where I will take stress above and beyond. But I would have to say probably uh maybe the year first year or two, year or two is running is and and getting into the flow and then after many meltdowns, (laughs) I've had I've had several meltdowns through the years because my, my way of coping with those stresses was to, you know, get messed up in some way, shape, or form. And so I had to actually teach myself that since you can't do that anymore, you have to take breaks. You have to disconnect. You have to stop. Uh, and so after probably the first maybe two years or so, I have, I have it fairly good. Uh, fairly well. My my thing now is relationships. I my stressors with relationships are like Pfft. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, mind
2: fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like. so what would you give like for both Kevin and you? And I, and I'll answer too. But like, I just this question came to me. Like, what advice would you give to somebody who's like, like say for like a med student or like it's like struggling? Just like I this is life. I want a little bit of a change. Like, what recommendation or like, what advice? How would you give something like that in a situation?
1: I I would say what what comes to mind is when I, how, while I'm listening to you guys talk is <clears throat> again like for someone in early recovery because I, I know um, you know you were saying like a year or two like what you're saying when I. Th- decided to change my life and, and do this. Um, a year or two sounded like an eternity uh, to get results. It's a me. really good
0: point. Yeah. I,
1: <clears throat> um, that's kind of, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> but like, uh, and it seemed almost like an impossible length of time to think about. But <clears throat> I would say the first thing you need to do is give yourself a break. You're not just quitting drinking or quitting drugs. For me, I I had, one one of the problems that I had is, in early recovery anyway, is I would have free-floating anxiety and stress, and I didn't know why. I I, I couldn't apply it to a certain situation or, or a problem. I was just a wreck. I think during the first 30 days of sobriety, I cried every day. And I, I, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't only quitting drinking or quitting drugs. I was also a major addict to uh, Xanax. So that was super fun. But I needed to realize that I wasn't only quitting drinking or doing drugs. I was actually putting an old life to death. Um, I was killing my best friend, literally having to choke it out and let it die. And, um, and that causes stress. It's going to cause mental stress and physical stress. It's hard on your body because you literally have to heal from a lot of damage that you've done and you're sudden, they, they, here's another saying for you. One of the best things about quitting drinking and doing drugs is that you're, you get your emotions back. And one of the worst things about quitting drinking and doing drugs is you get your emotions back. (laughs) And and, um, it's, you need to realize that it's okay to not feel okay. I use this, this scenario uh, with a friend of mine and I don't know, he said it worked. I I thought it was kind of dumb, but if you, if you take a hammer and you, literally just pound on your arm over and over and over for weeks on end and suddenly you're like oh this this isn't right this kind of sucks I'm gonna quit doing it and you quit uh you're gonna have to heal from that you're gonna have to allow yourself to feel some of that pain and um and and it's okay to feel that pain and and you frankly need to feel it and
2: well, I think it's like one of the reasons when when I was at rehab, and I know that they do this, you know, is like the the will of emotions, where you make your goals in the morning time, and like that's my advice to try that, you know, to be honest with yourself of when you wake up and think like, you know, what what do I really want to accomplish today, and what am I okay with not accomplishing, you know, like what am I what's what am, what's my end goal, and if I wake up cranky or wake up happy, you know, to recognize those and to, to stop and think okay this is real this is how I am feeling at the moment and you know and at the end of the day to kind of check in and say well in the morning I was happy then like some shitty stuff happened in the afternoon but like it got better and kind of like slow down I, I feel like everyone's so clouded up with so much extra shit out there that's that it's it's hard to be able to kind of take that self reflection in yourself and say like how did you do today you know, sure. and, and what difference do you want to make tomorrow? And and I love that about being in rehab at that point because it was very simple. It was like, it, I at the very beginning, I, was, I always felt like it was like an assignment. You know, like you have to wake up and fill this paperwork out and you're like,
1: <laughs> ah. well, what,
2: what do you want to fill? What do you want to be like at the end of the day? And you're just like, well, and a lot of times I'd just be comical and thought it was funny just to do stupid shit. But at the end of the day, like I really started to kind of grasp the concept of, I wish I could do this every single day. We're just so impatient with ourselves, you know, try to wake up a little bit earlier or go to bed a little bit later to kind of like journal or reflect or talk or whatever. I think if you tap into those different sources that are out there, uh, you really can alleviate that shitty feeling, you know, that it's like I'm excited to wake up in the morning, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I am. So I wrote... I actually wrote down a couple of things to, to kind of throw out, like things that I do. And you threw out another really good one, Mike, which is prioritize. Prioritize what, especially for students, prioritize. Um, there are some days where I will go a million miles an hour through the full day and I'll get all sorts of shit done and it'll be this super productive day and I'll be, you know, all proud of it. And the next day I will feel like doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. As as long as I'm not as long as I'm not intentionally neglecting something that has to be done, my priority obviously my body is telling me you need to, you need to slow down. And so I'll just kind of pick and choose a couple of small things to do, or some days I won't do anything. And, and I'll give myself that that time to rest. And so I, I, prioritizing is, is huge. Um, another one that I had that – I have a couple of tips. Um, but the biggest ones that I have are don't – especially if you're in early recovery, do not jump into life too fast. That level of stress... Because, Kevin, you had it You had it right. You're not just qu- quitting drinking. You're not just quitting using. You're literally developing an entire new lifestyle. Don't jump into a job. ASAP if you don't have to. Don't jump into all these responsibilities. ASAP if you don't have to. Take the time to figure out... I, I had to take the time to figure out who I am, how I function, how I deal with stress, how to deal with stress, um, and how to how to be the person that i am without falling back into those old behaviors that was a really big a really big one to me and then the other the last one i have is um ask for support ask for help and support one of the one of the things i think one of the main reasons why i am as successful in school as i am is because i have zero um zero ego when it comes to to like assignments so if i don't know what the hell is going on my my old self would would say oh, oh you know, I know. <laughs> yeah I, I know what this is i'll figure it out you know and if i don't I'm a student. yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask for help <laughs> now it's uh especially in some of my harder classes my teachers don't just know me by name man they know my last name they know where i go to like you know what i do for fun they know everything they know everything about me because they get way too much of me way too fast (laughs) because I I give it I I mean I give it at my all and um, that is something that I I recommend to anyone is ask for help consistently ask for help because stress is a bitch um, and we don't have to do it alone yeah
2: are we running out of time yeah we're actually I got got one more thing I want to add in on this because this this has been a huge help to me I when I had that hiccup was about a year ago from now when I was I had to go to that uh, psych ward for a weekend, my weekend stay. I mm, call it the Nut Hut. Yeah, the Nut Hut, fifty-one uh, fifty or whatever <laughs> they call it, fifty-fifty <laughs> or 50, I think it's fifty-one fifty. But um, I got a book that I was reading, and it was uh, "Wherever You Go, There You Are," and I read the read the book, and it was really good. And a lot of it talks about that self-reflection to breathe and just slow down, you know, that it's it's going to be okay, that tomorrow will come, and that has been one of the most helpful advices that I've read or heard from anybody, is to be able to just slow down, give yourself five minutes, pause, and breathe, and focus on, like, because I, I hold my like stomach, like, high, I don't know, like, sometimes I just, like, flex, like, hold my stomach up, when I'm driving the car, and also I'll just, like, let it go, I feel like so damn good. I'm just like, why have I been driving <laughs> yep. for 40 miles and like <laughs> yeah, and holding like, my stomach way like high? Was, like just yeah. like just like notice the, the little tension, things that like your yeah. body does, or just like drop your shoulders, you know, higher posture or whatever. But like just the 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 small breathing and just the deep inhales, exhales, and that slow five minute meditations have just been so productive for me where I can do it. And and you know it's been funny. I've been teaching my kids, and I think I shared this a couple weeks ago with. You know, my little boy felt, falls down. He's just, like, crying. I'm like, okay. He just, just, you know, goes, Dad, I just need to breathe. And he's, like, doing it. I'm just like, hell yeah, you know. Exactly. He's getting, he's getting in tune with you because he knows him. I don't – I'm not in his head, you yeah.
1: know.
2: So I I just uh, – I, I like that, you know, to be able to just kind of slow down and breathe. Kevin stepped out. We're, we're wrapping ship right now. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, say, so, that's my advice. I, I, I think the meditation, yeah. and, you know, yoga or self-meditation or reading or uh, self-care is just a huge, huge yeah, thing. Yeah, removing yourself yeah. from a problem. So,
0: there's so many, there are so many ways to get through stress without getting high and without drinking, um, if you have any other questions or if you have any comments, hit us up on the Insta. Yeah, we're rolling on it. Got some fun. Mike is our Insta nature man. pictures. Yeah. that we take <laughs> all over kind of random places. Where uh, we kind of we never really like intentionally like
2: went that way, but like I just thought they were, I liked pictures, just so like pictures. Hey,
0: nature is uh, serene, right? So, yeah. Um, if I think that we solved our sound problem, so if yeah. it is still too low or if you can't hear what we're saying. Throw us a few comment, people, yeah. message us because we know we've been hearing that like people can't hear. so, so
2: tonight we try something a little newer. We're like. Six inches from our minds. Yeah, Kevin so. and Mike.
0: We're are,
1: really close together. Right Kevin, now. Kevin and Kevin's Mike back. are
0: practically making out right now. So, <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> Could be worse. <laughs> That's how I look at it.
1: Uh, well, thanks, Mike. Anyway,
0: all right. Um right on. So yeah that that wraps it up for uh, that wraps it up for episode five, and we will catch you guys all next week. So. Peace out.
1: Bye.